Hello, everybody. Uh, once again, welcome to these studies in the book of Revelation. I really am pleased to once again share the word of God with you. And I exhort you also to go to my website. If you haven't caught up with these studies, you can get them all there. Today is part nine of our study in the book of Revelation. And we're turning in particular to Revelation 13 and beyond as we look at the Bible's teaching on the Antichrist. And this is indeed intriguing. Most certainly a major part of John's oracle is given over to the subject of the Antichrist or the beast as he is called in Revelation. Indeed, he is a dominant player in understanding end time truth and most certainly the world awaits his arrival. But thankfully, we also told in the scriptures that he is overcome and destroyed by Christ at his revelation or second coming. And you can read that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8 and Revelation 19 and verse 20. So Jesus hasn't come again as yet. And it's only then that the final Antichrist is overcome. So that means we definitely await his arrival on the stage of history. In fact, the scriptures tell us that many Antichrists have come and consequently the people of God through the centuries have had to stand up to the challenge that these have represented. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, John tells us that, and that's certainly true. Not only Daniel had to face up to an Antichrist, but the early church, the 2nd and 3rd century early church, had to grapple with Antichrist, and, um, and this is not a new phenomenon. But Scripture clearly warns that the final Antichrist, who will step onto the stage of history, will be evil beyond anything that we have ever seen before. And that is absolutely true. He will achieve what no leader has ever done in that he will rule the world and thus every nation will submit to his totalitarian regime. Great and mighty warriors of old attempted to achieve this goal and they failed. But this soon to appear beast of the scriptures will finally bring satanic governance to the world. We ignore the book of Revelation, my friends, to our peril. So I want to share three points with you today about the, con about the Antichrist. The first one is the concept of Antichrist. Surprisingly for some, the Bible affirms that the beast or Antichrist operates within the boundaries of the sovereignty of God in that he confirms the world to the judgment of God and purifies the church in regard to its commitment to truth. We find this concept or principle spelled out for us in Deuteronomy chapter 13 and verses 1 to 3. Listen to the word of God. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. 
It is true that people are so easily duped by the supernatural. And sadly, a test is going to befall the church in this regard. The question is, will it surrender the love of the truth in its pursuit of supernatural signs and wonders? Or will it stand firm? Scripture seems to suggest that many, unfortunately, will embrace the deception of Antichrist and fall away from the faith. Paul warned the church at Thessaloniki about this very danger. This is what he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 8 to 12. And once again, you will note the principle of Antichrist or the concept. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So it is to be noted that the God of the Bible allows the delusion of Antichrist to enter the world and that this delusion unleashed on the world and sadly even the church will be strong. I often say to people, you know what the word strong means? Well, it means strong. We have been warned. Also, the rise of this beast in Scripture is couched in religious political sophistication, in that he is also another Christ and will be presented as a loving, true shepherd of the world. This deception will be backed up by amazing signs and wonders and these, we are told, will be perpetrated by his cohort that Scripture calls the false prophet. You can read that in Revelation 13, 11 to 14. Many, actually not a few, will fall for it. He will bring harmony to the chaos of the world and solve the Middle East conflict between Israel the Arab world, and the Palestinians. That which people have never achieved, he will do. The whole world will follow him and rejoice in his arrival. And so this will constitute a huge test for the church of Jesus Christ. In that, she will have to reject him and his government and thus become the odd man out. And this constitutes, as I said, a major test for the church. This will unleash, according to scripture, a vicious persecution against the church, by which we are told it will be purified, and it will confirm that God's coming judgment of the world is correct. And just. In Revelation 13 and verse 7, we read these words, it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. 
and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. We need to remember that. This brings me to my second point, and that is the nature of Antichrist. First of all, the concept, and then the nature of Antichrist. The final Antichrist of history will be unique in that he will achieve world dominion, in that all nations will surrender their sovereignty to him, and this means that he will have real power. But to have real power, as Revelation 13 teaches, he must take control of the global financial system. I put it to you that this process is unfolding before us now and is even at the very root of the present-day troubles facing the United States of America. Why do we say that? For this reason. There can be no global financial system if the world's strongest economy and strongest nation financially is not brought into this coming new world order, a term we hear all the time today. It is no coincidence then that the 2030 United Nations agenda, you can look it up, affirms that the troubles of this world can only be solved if the present global financial system is actually swept away and replaced with a new one. Donald Trump is standing in the way of this plan. And for many then, indeed for the globalists, to achieve their goal in just a decade, he must be swept away. It is true, however, that Revelation 13 confirms that at some point, even the USA will surrender to the beast kingdom. The Bible says that every nation will serve him. Listen to this. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue and nation. May God give us grace and mercy in these days. This coming global government will use sophisticated technology to track its citizens by way of a mark or an implant that will demonstrate their allegiance to the beast and allow them to buy and sell and engage in economic activity. We read that in Revelation 13, you know it, verses 16 and 17. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. The mark will then be more than a super credit card, as it were, but a symbol of religious commitment to the beast. For this reason, the Church of the Living God is warned against taking it. Those who do, the Bible tells us clearly, 
Those who do will end up in hell. Revelation 14 and verses 9 and 10 says this. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So this mark is more than a super credit card, as I said. Actually, one receives it simultaneously within a ceremony of worship and allegiance to a satanic beast. The Bible says you cross that line. You go to hell. We need to hear that and understand it. So that brings us to our final point, And that is the identity of Antichrist. As you all know, many have speculated as to the identity of this individual. And in most cases, they have failed because they have not understood the Bible's teaching in this regard. Revelation 12 ends with a record of a coming war in the unseen world whereby the devil and his hordes are dislodged from their sphere of abode and forced onto the earth. You can read that. And this war is between the devil and, of course, Michael, the great archangel of war. But nevertheless, the Bible tells us that these demonic hordes have a final ace to play in that they must destroy Israel and eradicate the church since these will facilitate the coming of the true Messiah and their destruction. So Revelation 12 and verse 17 says this, after this great conflict in the heavenlies, and the dragon was enraged with the woman, that's Israel, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That, my friends, is the church. So this constitutes a final desperate attempt by demonic powers to resist the second coming or the revelation of Christ. Now, this ace that the devil plays is actually to produce a demonoid, that is a half-demon and a half-man, an individual who is constitutionally half-devil and half-man. This is why the scripture tells us that this individual will not simply be demon-possessed, but in fact, he will be constitutionally demonic. The scripture affirms that his origins are not natural. And that's important for us to know. The scripture underlines this by affirming that the beast's origins are not natural. Meaning that he arises out of the bottomless pit. Listen to Revelation 11 and verse 7. Talking of the two witnesses. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them. And we find the same teaching in Revelation 17 
and verses 8 following it says here the beast that you saw and was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition meaning he will end up in hell so here the bible tells us that his origins are unique that actually he ascends out of the bottomless pit so he will lead a final global kingdom and the interesting thing about his rise is that he will be recognizable in that the Bible teaches that actually he was here before. Then he was assassinated, according to Revelation 13. And then suddenly he steps back onto the stage of history. And that's why the scriptures affirm that he was and is not and again is. Listen to this. Revelation 17 and verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not. He was assassinated. And will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And then he says this. Listen to what John says in Revelation 17 and verse 9. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains of which the woman sits. There are also seven kings, five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Now, just to put that into focus, there are six beast empires. At the time of John's writing, the sixth one was, meaning Rome. It was Rome that committed the abomination of desolation in AD 70 and Antichrist. And John says there will be only a seventh. But somehow the seventh is part of the eighth that is of the seven. He was. He is not. And he comes again out of the bottomless pit. The Antichrist, my friends, has been here before with all his hatred for the Jews and for the true church. The people of the earth recognize him and they marvel. Finally, my friends, Jesus said, that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days just prior to his second coming. What happened in Noah's day? In Noah's day, demons descended onto the earth. They had sex, we are told, with women and produced a high-bred demonic race of giants. And these threatened the survival of the human race. You could read that in Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. It was for this reason chiefly that God judged the earth with a flood. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be again. The Antichrist kingdom, my friends, is a demonic hybrid. 
He is a beast. He's not a human being. He was a human being, but he was not. And he comes back again as a demonoid, a half man and a half devil. And he presents the church with a terrifying test. And we see the ground work for this beginning to take place as we move toward global government. My concern is that many in the church are not prepared. We can only be prepared by having a personal, solid relationship with Jesus, spending much time in prayer, in his word, and in fellowship. And recognizing the days in which we live. Jesus said, watch and pray. This is Malcolm Heading.